Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. With Sherry Ann, we have this fantastic friendship too. It's really mm. great, and we have our, a little bit of a family dynamic going here, and it pretty mm. much mirrors what I grew up with. You know, my uh, my father was the uh, the uh, taskmaster, the which is the disciplinarian, which, which is what I do. I'm the mommy slash daddy. That's right, like Mr. Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know, and also mm. reward. Mm. But um, Sherry's responsible for the unconditional love. You know, just and the d- decorative uh, abilities. Exactly, the heart and the soul. You know, mm. which is what my mother did. And that was her job, you know. She was there for the unconditional love, mm. and it worked for my family, you know, until my mom committed suicide in '81. Hello, and welcome to the Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from the Daily Beast. My guest on today's show is the hilarious Jane Lynch. She's currently hosting Hollywood Game Night on NBC, but I've been a fan of hers for a really, really long time. Uh, you know her from Best in Show, The Forty Year Old Virgin, Glee. More recently, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and she was also on one of my favorite shows of all time, Party Down. Uh, Jane Lynch is truly a comedy legend. Uh, She's always so funny and confident and just brought that energy to today's show. So I'm really excited for you all to listen to that. Before we get to the interview, I want to ask again for you to please uh, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to me. It helps people find the show. And I really appreciate the feedback that I've been getting already from people about who their favorite episodes have been, uh, who else they want to see on the show, and and all of that. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, get right to it. Here's me and Jane Lynch. Have you done a lot of podcasts? I've done about a few in my day. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. It won't be my first rodeo. Okay, that's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, welcome. Thanks for, for coming in and doing this. My pleasure. Um, so you're, we're, we're talking, you're just about to start, uh, the new season of, of Hollywood game night. This right. is the sixth, sixth Isn't season, it seventh, seventh? Think, is it seventh? Okay. Sixth. Sixth. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hopeful for a seventh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting. There's kind of been a, a trend of these, uh, celebrity hosted yeah. game shows that I think is, there's sort of seems like there's more and more of them all the time, but you were kind of ahead of the game a little I bit on that. I think we kind of started this, uh, started this fire. We've yeah. got, what is it? We're going to start the fire. <laughs> we did start the fire. Um, I, yeah, I think so. And you know, it's a fun gig. So I'll bet there, you know, like I'm sure Alec Baldwin loves doing mm-hmm, it and mm-hmm. who else is doing one? Anthony Anderson did one. Um, but uh, you know, not that our has, has to differentiate itself from anybody. But what's different about our show is that it's uh, more like a party. Mm-hmm. You know, we have celebrities yeah. and and civilians, and um, it's more physical and it's a game night. It's like you have at your home, and mm-hmm. we also ply them with alcohol <laughs> the minute they get out of their town cars. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, how did you kind of get involved in it uh, to begin with? What made you want to do it? Well, Sean Hayes is a friend, and um, he I had him over for dinner one night, and he said, "Look, I have this." Uh, thing that I pitched to um, uh, NBC for a game night, which he's notorious for, Sean, mm. is his, his are amazing. You've at been his to house. his game nights? Yes. And they're, they were always extravagant affairs where you moved from room to room in his home and he created all the games himself. Uh, and he said, we're going to, we got six to air, which means we get six episodes to air. Would you like to host it? And I said, no, I can't because at the time I was in uh, development on a game show and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then the mm-hmm. next day, I 
called him and I said, well, how stupid of me. I'm going to let that other thing go <laughs> and do your show if it's if the offer is still good. And he said, absolutely. So that's how it started. Yeah. I mean, what do you think uh, is the appeal for people about watching uh, celebrities play play funny games yeah, with each other? Yeah, I think so. And I also think it's that you feel like you're at a party with these people, too, yeah. and uh, the bright, shiny people, the popular people. And then, of course, we have two uh, civilian folks who are always bright and shiny themselves, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, you can kind of vicariously live through, like, oh, I could be at a party with Dax Shepard, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think between your show and, you know, obviously what Jimmy Fallon has been doing yeah. on his show is, you know, he... He does the same kind of thing where he puts these, you know, unexpected combinations of people together yeah, to play yeah. a game. There is something that people find very appealing about that. Just watching, I guess, watching celebrities do something that they're not used to watching them do. Right. And, it, you know, everybody's unguarded and it's basically spontaneous. And there's, uh, you know, uh, playing a game is a great equalizer. You know, you're you're all on the same team and you're all doing the same goofy stuff. And uh, there's really no stakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 25 grand, which is a pretty pretty mm-hmm. nice payday for um, for our, our contestants. But um, And the celebrities th- aren't eligible for that, right? No, no, no. no but no. they do get to, they are not eligible for that. They do get to donate um, if they make it to the final round and their uh, civilian wins, they get uh, that amount of money donated to their favorite mm, charity. Right, so right. it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, were there game shows that you uh, that you particularly enjoyed yeah. when you were growing up? I remember Match Game. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I love that. Is that that's game. what Alec Baldwin is doing? The, yeah, the he new is. one, right? Yeah. yeah um, Match Game. Uh, uh, Gene Rayburn. Remember mm-hmm. he was the uh, he was the host of that, and he had uh, Charles Nelson Riley and Brett Summers and Paul Lind. Was it Paul? I forget. Who was the third? Oh, Richard Dawson, who I guess was a pain in the ass from oh, yeah. what I understand. And they were very happy to see the backside of him when he went to the Family Feud. Yeah. But yeah, there I, I remember spending an entire evening watching um just recently watching on YouTube um episodes of Matt because they were hilarious. They were yeah. so much fun. And from what I understand, and this was more than just myth, they drank through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They would um uh, you know do seven shows a day or something crazy like that. And by the seventh show, they're all plastered in there. It looks like they're drinking water under there. And now it was like straight gin. <laughs> Brett Summers was such a funny. I don't think Brett Summers was famous for anything other than being a match game and married to Jack Klugman. Yeah. I think that's maybe all we know about Brett Summers, but she was something. Yeah. I, I know you you don't drink. So is it weird to watch, you know, people uh, no, to drink de- when you're hosting the show? No, or, I'm uh, the designated uh, driver, <laughs> so to speak. And I'm very happy to be that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned you had been developing a, another game show idea. Yeah. I also remember hearing that you were developing a daytime talk show at some point. Yeah, I didn't. I actually it was it was a more of a variety show. It mm-hmm. wasn't really a talk show, mm-hmm. but somehow it got out there that I was doing a talk show. But you know what? I would love to do a talk show. Yeah. I think I, I think that would be a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a little boring to just like you 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 talk to funny people and we talk about yeah. comedy. I don't want to talk about somebody's next. You know, hello, I'm, here I am yeah. uh, promoting Hollywood Game Night, but I'd like to have more substantive uh, conversations. You yeah. know? It doesn't have to be about like rocket science or the, you know, the, the reality of time and space. It could be, you know, any anything. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have to sit down and write that out what that yeah. would be. I mean, that's what's great about podcasts is they mm-hmm. can be kind of more substantive than some of these, a lot of the talk shows, at least, you know, yeah. whether it's uh, late night shows or Ellen or, you know, they're very funny and very entertaining, but it's, you know, it's a they're seven, form- five, seven minutes and you're and you're out. Right. And they're formulaic, too. Yeah. And, you know, and James Corden kind of uh, really expand. And so mm-hmm. Seth Meyers is great. Too. Yeah. And, yeah. They, they're doing great stuff. And Ellen has been great for, what, mm-hmm. 15 years now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what, what did, uh, what did Ellen's sort of trajectory mean, mean for you when you sort of were watching that, you know, uh, yeah, good coming question. up? 
That's a real good question because it, it made my being a gay person in Hollywood a non no brainer and, and not a problem at all. Yeah. Um, because she basically took one for the team, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know she, it, obviously, if you asked her when she was a little girl, do you want to be a gay icon who, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> blazes a trail for everybody else? I, I doubt she would have said yes. Um, but she did it. She stood there and took it and did it and was honest. And, uh, you know, within. Three years of doing that, she's the spokesperson for American Express. She's got her own talk show, and women from all over the Midwest come come flock to her show and dance with her. And yeah, you know she's uh, she's you know right up there with Oprah, and I think that's a great thing. So yeah, I'm great. I'm indebted to to her for that because I didn't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know I just got to be an actor playing a role, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, I mean you you were working you know before. She came out, and, and mm-hmm. before you came out, so was that was was there fear involved in that? You know, just not you know. Yeah, in abstract, mm-hmm. um, I didn't even really have a coming out. Yeah, um, I just kind of showed up and mm-hmm. just didn't say I wasn't. <laughs> um, in abstract, like laying in bed at night when I was like you know twenty five, going, "What do I do if they find out? Oh my god, I haven't even told my parents yet, and will will I be able to do what I want to do?" and um, there were some worries about that, but for mm. the most part, no, I just, uh, you know, I, I was doing, um, th- I was hanging out with a group of people and we did sketch comedy together and it didn't matter that I was gay or anybody else was straight. It just didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it hasn't mattered my yeah. whole life. Yeah. And um, that's why it breaks my heart for that for especially kids out there. It it matters and they're keeping a, 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 a secret deep within themselves that they're afraid will be exposed and that's that breaks my heart. Yeah, well what's kind of fascinating about your career is that your big breakout role um, was as a gay character I know, in and Best I never in even Show. thought of that. I never even thought about it at the time. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is Christopher Guest movie. People are going to know who I am after this, or at least people who love Christopher Guest movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the people I care about. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm playing a gay person. Will they think I'm a gay person? That didn't even cross my mind. And so I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah. So the story of how you got that film is, is pretty interesting. So yeah. you, um, it was, it had something to do with a Frosted Flakes yes. commercial. Uh, can you tell that's, sure. that story? Well, 1999 was a very good year for me in terms of uh, <laughs> television commercials. I probably did seven or eight nationals. And this yeah. is back in the day that's when big. you made a lot of money for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, like that, uh, what is it? Over $100,000 for each of them. Uh, I mean, stretched out over a few years, but I was kind of sitting pretty. Uh, not that this has anything to do with meeting for a guest just by yeah. to tell you that I, I had one year where I made a lot of commercials um, and uh, the, the uh, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes was one of them. Hi, I'm Steve. This is Kathy. Oh, and we just love Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. We come here every day, you know, just hoping he'll make an appearance of some sort. Of, uh, excuse me, could you send out Tony when you see him? Tony who? Oh, come on. <laughs> Frosted Flakes are about so much more than just great taste. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that, and then there's Tony, you know. Mm-hmm. Then there's uh, the frosting, and then there's Tony. All right, okay. take a picture. Okay, got it. Okay. He okay, looks so different. Um, I think, I think that's a woman. You're right. Yeah. They're great. And I showed up for the callback for that, and it ha- said director Christopher Guest, 
And I was very excited because I was a huge fan yeah. of Kaufman. I was excited and um, almost wanted to walk out at yeah. the same. And who knew he was directing commercials? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, it turns out he was, and I don't know how he's doing it now, but he was directing a commercial like a day. I mean, the guy was <laughs> prolific. Wow. Anything you laughed at on television was Yeah, I don't directed. think a lot of people know that. Yeah, he was directed by Christopher Guest, and when he does a commercial, he, has, he, he, he won't do it unless he gets the agreement that he has final say on everything mm-hmm. and that the um, client isn't even allowed on set they're kind of in a remote location <laughs> with the monitor uh, so anyway I went to the callback and there he is and being his Christopher Guest self which is you know not very effusive and mm-hmm. um, uh, I actually found it comforting yeah. because inside I had a lot of anxiety and it was just really comforting and kind of cool and we improvised a little bit and, and then I got the role and and uh, at lunch uh, while we were shooting this Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial uh, he said, you know, I do movies, and I pretended to be like, oh, really? <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. I really loved um, Waiting for Guffman. He said, well, maybe we'll do a movie someday. And I said, I would love that. So that made yeah. me feel great. And then within three months, he was. Uh, I ran into him at a restaurant, and he said, oh, yeah, you. He said, well, I am casting a movie. Come to my office. So I thought I was going to his office for like uh, an audition or whatever, mm-hmm. and he basically just, we small talked, and then he said, so uh, this is the part you would play if you want to do it, and um, I just have to talk to Eugene Levy at yeah. the time, and I have to talk to my uh, producer, Karen Murphy, and then I'll call you at about 5 o'clock today. And he called me and said, hey, you were going, you wanted to do it? And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know if the part was at all based on you? Or was no, this it it was an existing part that he was just trying to cast? It was an existing part that he was trying to cast. And he had Catherine O'Hara and Jennifer Coolidge mm-hmm. as a couple. And then he decided he wanted um, Eugene and Catherine to play yeah. uh, the couple with Winky. And so he was looking for somebody else. And mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I, I, mean, I ended up the, the lucky recipient of that somebody else position. <laughs> so, and and his style of working, and it must have been similar almost on the commercial in some ways, yeah, um, exactly is, is very same. unique. So can you just talk about what, what that was like to kind of go into that world and sure. and do that that new style? And I know you, you came from Second City, so you had improv background right, as but well. This, is, this was different. And yeah. this was different in that um, uh, there's no script. What, what he told me, he said, just like we did with the commercial, there's no script. Um, there's an outline mm-hmm. and um, uh, there's no rehearsal. So we show up and we shoot. And he said, so any work you have to do for yourself, you do ahead of time. And he said to me, he said, look, I don't do anything. I just I, I just kind of let the camera roll and I do what I do. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a little more prepared than that. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent a lot of time working on this character. He gives you some given circun- circumstances of who they are. And I, I filled it in for myself. And it, that's, it's kind of, it turns out it's, I love working this way. Yeah. I, you're like uh, John Michael Higgins says, you pack heavily for this. You over. <laughs> pack and you uh i never prepared for a character the way i prepare for this i in order to improvise something you have yeah. to be very very familiar with the person you're you're playing and their relationship and how they view the world and their opinion on things like i used to read the paper to myself in the mirror as christy cummings that was my my <laughs> I, I would uh, like and then i'd opine about what i just read from the point of view of christy cummings that's and funny. that's kind of how i uh cemented it into my person um and you just show up and literally truly the cameras everything's set up Mm -hmm. he says you're gonna sit here and you're gonna sit here 
And Jennifer and I did talk. Coolidge and yeah. I did. Did talk. you know Jennifer Coolidge no, before this? No, well, I knew her uh, peripherally. Yeah, but we we had dinner uh, and um, uh, before leaving for Vancouver, and then um, we hung out a lot in Vancouver. And we talked a lot about what we were going to do, but it was um, you know it, it was still very improvised. We didn't have like bar lines and everything. We kind of talked about our relationship, and we laughed a lot. And we talked about the porno we watched the night before. (laughs) (laughs) And we got it. She got it free in her room for some reason. So (laughs) she would share the scenarios with me. Um, But uh, anyway, we he says, "You sit here. You sit there." And he runs the camera and he shoots the master, Mm -hmm. and it goes on forever. You think, "Well, I I don't have anything more to say now." (laughs) And you hear the the camera. Oh, I better keep talking. And so, and then he says, "Cut." And he says, "Very good." Not like he means it at Mm -hmm. all. It was just kind of like very good. And then he brings the camera in a little. And uh, then he keeps bringing the camera in closer and closer, and he'll he'll get more specific. Like, do that part about this, and do that part about that, and you don't need to do that part anymore because I got it, and blah blah blah. Because mm-hmm. he's editing it in his yeah. head in a way, even though he takes like a year to edit it, um, to put it all together. Uh, but he kind of knows what he wants uh, right after you do the master, mm-hmm. you know. And he's keeping an eye on the story as well, making sure all the plot points are covered and stuff yeah. like that. Did, did you have, I mean, obviously it was a big deal when you got the part, but did you have any idea what this movie would mean, you know, for your for your career? I, I had a hope in a sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I love this kind of work. I love working this way. I love ensemble comedy, and mm-hmm. I hope that meant that I would work more in ensemble comedy. And indeed, I, I did. I ended up being in some really great, funny movies with some really great, funny people. Coming up... Jane Lynch talks about what it was like to reunite with her old Second City pal Steve Carell in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and reveals the origin of my favorite line from that movie. Yeah, I mean, another of of my favorites is um, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which came uh, about five years later, I think. Um, And I heard that that part was originally written for a man. It was, when I kind of have a history of that back to uh, high school when I played the king in the um, uh, (laughs) Princess and the Peach story. Um, Yeah, and it was written for a man. And Nancy Walls, who is uh, a wonderful actress and married to Steve Carell, said, you have a lot of – and because Steve was a producer on this. Mm -hmm. It was his character. and. Um, he's a writer on it, and he's, she said, you have a lot of men in your movie. Maybe you, you should cast a woman. And he said, why don't you see Jane for this? Because I know them from Chicago. We oh, yeah. All at Second City at the same time. And um, and so I auditioned for it, and we improvised the whole thing about me deflowering him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they g- gave me the role. Yeah, so the, the I'll haunt your dreams is a yeah. line that's very memorable. That, uh, yes, but, and that, uh, uh, <laughs> Jad, Judd Apatow whispered that directly into my ear. <laughs> I understand you have a girlfriend. Yeah, kind of seeing somebody. I'm very happy for you. Thanks, she's great. Are you still a virgin? Oh, you know, I don't really talk about my personal life. You're a virgin. Yes, I am. Yeah. The door's always open, so to speak. Great. Great, thank you. I'm very discreet. But I'll haunt your dreams. Yeah, how how would you compare the way that Judd works to the way Christopher Guest works? Because it is they're yeah. they're very different, but I, I imagine there are some similarities. Oh, uh, uh, Judd was like a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like an encouraging coach, and he would he uh, you were like sitting on the 
bench. Uh, like all the smart tech stuff, we were mm-hmm. called in every day, even if we weren't on the, the call sheet or in the scenes. And he would say, you know, Seth, get in there. Or Jane, get in there. Steve, get in there. Do something. Say something. And um, that's where I did my um, my uh, Guatemalan love song that I sang to Steve. Uh, <laughs> where did that come from, that, that idea? I, I don't know where it came from, but it's a, mo- it's a dialogue from a Spanish level one mm-hmm. in high school that I remembered. Mm-hmm. And and you know how things just kind of come to you. And I, I was sitting on the bench, as it were, and I, and I started thinking of that in my mind. And I thought, maybe I'll do it in this scene. And I was a little nervous about doing it. You never know how this stuff is going to go over. It made me laugh in my head. And so I just told Steve before we started, I said, I'm, I'm probably going to sing a little song to you. And he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you worked with Steve at Second City? He, we, were in, uh, this, we were there at the same time, but mm-hmm. in different companies, different uh, touring companies. Yeah. So what was, your, what was your experience like at Second City? It was good. You know, uh, the, we toured a lot. Um, uh, it was kind of boot camp for sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, um, you went by the seat of your pants a lot. You learned how to... Um, uh, uh, react on your feet, and not a lot of improvising for for the for the touring. We did an improv set at the end of the um, set show, but for the most part, it was doing the best of Second City. We would, you know, pull scenes from the past and and perform them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it wasn't like uh, being on one of the stages in Chicago where you create a show. Mm-hmm. Out of whole yeah, song. you're you're using material that yeah. other people have developed. Exactly. Did you like that, or did you want I to be do, developing your own stuff? Well, and I never was. De- I never desired developing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Although I wanted to be on one of the stages, that would just seemed like the you know kind of the brass ring, and I, I didn't. I ended mm-hmm. up just doing the touring company. Um, but I like doing set stuff. I I, I like improvising and being free within a, the confines. Like mm-hmm. I like bouncing around in a cage, <laughs> bouncing around freely in a cage that yeah. I built for myself. I don't that pure freedom of like you can do anything you want makes me just you know want to take a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, for a lot of people at, at Second City or um, the Groundlings out here, uh, Saturday Night Live is a right. is a big goal. Was that something that you um, that you thought about or kind of went after? I never in any way? thought I would get anything like that. I, I, I never even it never crossed my mind that mm-hmm. I would yeah be able to do that. But yeah. you must have worked with people who who, who, did, who yeah. did yeah yeah Tim Meadows was in our touring company and. God, oh, God, I can't think of it. Oh, well, Stephen Colbert. Right, uh, yeah. And and he, of course, wasn't on SNL, but he's obviously doing quite well. But he's Stephen Colbert. Yeah, but he's Stephen Colbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I ended up hosting, which was great. Yeah, on, uh, Saturday yeah. Night Live. So that was, I didn't, never thought something like that yeah. would happen. Yeah, what was either. that experience like? Oh, it was the best. You know, I was really, really nervous because it's a live show. And at the rehearsal, we do a full-on, full-dress rehearsal with an audience before we go on the air at, like, seven o'clock six o'clock five o'clock something like that and um uh i realized in the middle of that oh this is a sketch show <laughs> i know how to do a sketch show and i and i totally relaxed i was like i know this i don't even have to worry about my lines because they're on a card right there yeah and i, I completely relaxed i'm so yeah. glad we had that you know that run through <laughs> yeah maybe that's why they that's why they do that for, for, yeah, right. for one reason right mm-hmm. um so, I mean, the 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 thing that probably got you on at, to host Saturday Night Live was Glee, yes, um, which was obviously a huge um, a huge deal when mm-hmm. it when it came out. Um, and when at that time you were um, 
you were on one of my favorite shows of yours was Party Down. Oh, yeah. Which I loved. Great. Um, And you ended up leaving Party Down to do Glee. Glee. So what was that? Um, Was that an easy decision? Was that a hard decision? Well, it kind of was made for me. It was um, one of the uh, Party Down was in second position to Glee. Mm, um, So I knew it was going to happen. Meaning that it it was the way the the contracts work? Yeah. Yeah. So I would be going Mm -hmm. to to Glee. Um, And so when it was picked up, I was happy and everything. But boy, that that, uh, uh, first, I think there were 10 shows with um, Party Down was... Truly a peak experience. Yeah. It was so much fun, and we were doing it in kind of a uh, in a really safe space. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew Stars was even doing mm-hmm. um, a, a, a a comedy show, and the network executives were never there. It was really just we had one writer. His name is Dan Embaum, and he was amazing. So we do it did a combination of where he would write for us, and then people like Martin Starr can never write uh, say anything that's written for him. He has to say it his own <laughs> way. And um, uh, some some people are more improvisational than others. Um, uh, and I, I just loved it. We ha- we loved each other, and it was a rarefied experience yeah it's a very unique show that i think a lot of people it it obviously didn't have a huge audience at the time i think probably more people have seen it since Mm -hmm. and i would recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to go back and watch because it is it's everyone you'll recognize everybody on it exactly because everybody's kind of on the the way to a a network show yeah yeah adam scott adam scott ken marino uh uh, Martin Starr before um, uh, Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley mm-hmm. and uh, Lizzie Kaplan before mm-hmm. the sex show, yeah, the Masters, uh, of, Masters of Sex. sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so that yeah, was pretty yeah. great. Who am I missing? Um, uh, Ryan, Ryan. Oh, Ryan Hansen. Yeah, Ryan Hansen. Oh, he's before great Ryan too. Hansen does, yeah. uh, solves crime on TV. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Um, that's um, great. Uh, so, but then obviously you went to Glee and yeah. that became a massive hit. Yes. Um, so, in the same sense of did you know what what best in show would be what would mean for you did you have any idea what what glee, glee would, would be um well i didn't know exactly what it would mean or be but i i knew it would be a hit mm-hmm. i didn't think it would be huge yeah I, I didn't know but i knew that um you know there the power of like music and musical theater mm-hmm. it, it cannot be denied was that a love culture. of yours uh, oh, at yeah. that time big time mm-hmm. yeah I, lo- I love musical theater but uh it's uh, it's a passion for people. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's like, I kind of like musical theater. It's either <laughs> I don't care for it or I love it. Yeah. So I, I think that you know I thought we would corner the market on people who love it, mm-hmm. and indeed we did, and then some. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was one of those shows where if you would all feel like an underdog, and we all do, especially in high school. Um, and where high schools, you know, Ryan always uses high school for as a microcosm mm-hmm. for life. Yeah. And um, Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Yeah. And well, like, what were your kind of first impressions of him now before he has taken over Hollywood completely? Yeah, right. Well, I met him doing Popular, his show Popular, yeah, yeah. which is also a high school show. And uh, he gave me an amazingly crazy part. I played three different characters. I played a serial killer, a teacher, and a travel agent with sandals <laughs> who, gave, who did sandals cruises. Um, so it was, it was really crazy and fun. I, I adored him. And uh, so when he asked me to do Glee, of course, you know, that would be. In fact, Sue Sylvester wasn't even in the pilot. Oh, yeah. uh, it was Kevin Riley, who was the head of Fox at the time, said, we need, an, um, uh, we need a, a villain in this. Mm. And, and from what I understand... Uh, Ryan said, uh, it will be the cheerleading coach and she will be called Sue Sylvester and she will be played by Jane Lynch. I think he said that. I like to think he did. In the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well played, sir. I underestimated you. 
All right. Here's what happens now. I'm gonna head on down to my condo in Boca, brown up a bit, get myself back into fighting shape, and then I'm gonna return to the school even more hell-bent on your destruction. Get ready for the ride of your life, Will Schuster. You are about to board the Sioux Sylvester Express. Destination? Horror. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to make the, the decision to make the villain a, uh, a teacher yeah. as opposed to another student is, right. was, is kind of interesting. Yeah, where she Creates has kind of dynamic, this power. Yeah. You know, Sue Sylvester is very much like Donald Trump. Oh, yeah? She just, it, she just fights to the point where you, 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 you know, one indignity after another, one breaking law over here, breaking a law over there. You can't keep up with it. <laughs> and then, you know, she gets forgiven and she does the same thing over and over again. And But she does have some redemptive moment, moments that, that Donald Trump doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, I would say so. That was sort of the most interesting thing about her was when they started to reveal some humanizing... Yeah, uh, the soft underbelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah which, we have we don't see that as much from, uh, no, from Trump. No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> well, I think that's the difference between... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued? What was in Al Capone's vault? Or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay, because you can learn it all on the new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host and friend of the last laugh, Darcy Carden, and her favorite comedian friends, as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you will learn that's the sciencey term for eardrum. Wikihole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, how the hell did we get here? Follow Wikihole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to Wikihole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Um, uh, just plain narcissism and then sociopathic narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you did you enjoy playing that character and getting to develop him? Because that's yeah. probably the, you know, I don't know if it is, but probably the longest time you've ever spent with one character. Yes, indeed it was. Um, so yeah. what was, so how did you, how did you like that being able to kind of keep developing it, keep revealing new layers and, and well, all that? Well, I, I loved it. And uh, Ian Brennan is uh, the writer who wrote most of my lines and, um, um, he's a Chicago boy, and I'm a Chicago girl. I'm, I'm a couple of decades older than he is, but we we kind of have the same reference level. I don't know how to explain it, but we have the same kind of extreme 
violent sense of humor. Um, uh, so I loved how he would just push Sue to such extremes. She was so mean sometimes, just so awful. And and then he well, also uh, in her moments, her redemptive moments, she's quite human. Um, but I remember in the pilot, we I, I bring coffee for everybody. For some reason, I'm bringing people coffee. I can't remember why. <laughs> it, it was self-serving on some level, yeah. I'm sure. And um, I, I hand that out, and this is yours, and this is yours, and this is mine. I like mine scalding. <laughs> and that kind of set the... Uh, the tone for Sue Sylvester was the extremes. Yeah, did you did you have much of a say in in what her what she was like as a character? Or did it really come no, from from the page? It came from the page. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were they were very good with it. Yeah, <laughs> I think she is one of those kind of iconic TV characters that that, that um, runs the risk of you getting you know so associated with this character that it's hard for people to see you as someone else. Yeah. Thinking of you know Henry Winkler always talks about this with the Fonz that it took yeah. him a long time to kind of break out of that. Was yeah. that ever a concern no, for you? No, it wasn't a concern, and it, it, uh, I don't you know unless it's behind my back, people yeah. saying it. <laughs> uh, I think it's less and less of something than back in the day when uh, Happy Days was the mm. number one show on ABC. Uh, I remember those days very well. Uh, there were fewer shows, and there were fewer iconic characters and um i can see how uh it, and television actors just did television and movie actors just did movies and i can see how someone might get stuck but these days no yeah i don't see it and yeah. I, I it never crossed my mind mm-hmm. yeah. um another recent uh project that i really enjoyed you in was a uh, marvelous mrs Maisel, mm-hmm. um and you kind of Cute. came in towards the end of the first season and uh-huh. then we're in a couple episodes in the second season um that your character is, is a very unique character, Sophie Lennon. Yeah. In that, um, is she is she based on somebody? Did you what, what kind of preparation did you do to to kind of figure out who that um, character is? Well, I, the the comedy, you know, she's one. She's like a borscht belt comedian, mm-hmm. yeah. completely different from um, Midge. Yeah, uh, and set up as this sharp contrast in right. style. And she comes in. She wears a fat suit, and she's the you know the ugly housewife from Queens. And <laughs> you can just hear the drum boom chick yeah. in the back of her jokes, and she's very old school. And um, uh, then, of course, the the actress herself, Sophie Lennon, is very smug and severely insecure and um, uh, a bit of a diva. So the, the contrast of those two characters, of course, was just really exciting and it was written very well. But the um, comic, uh, I, I go to uh, Phyllis Diller, mm-hmm. uh, Toadie Fields. Remember Toadie Fields? I don't remember. You might be too young for Toadie Phyllis Fields. Phyllis Diller, I know. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> um, uh, a little bit of Joan Rivers in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely uh, a, a, a kind of, a, a you know, inspired by, um, you know, my love of that kind of comedy. And uh, then if the kind of uh, smug, self-satisfied actress. Um, did you ever see The Sound of Music? Mm-hmm. Do you remember The Baroness? Mm, yeah. The actress's name was Eleanor Parker. So I'm doing kind of a, this woman thinks uh, she's Eleanor Parker. Yeah. She's really <laughs> not as classy or as uh, uh, classy or as um, uh, stable as <laughs> like, she, she appeared to be. But anyway, that's how I, I saw myself, the look and everything. Mm-hmm. It was more, kind of like a, yeah. uh, an aging Eleanor Parker. Parker. Speaking of different styles, Christopher Guest, Judd Apatow, this is um, a very scripted 
show yes. in very specific language and, yes. and all that. So, um, and very fast at times. And yes. that's Amy Sherman Palladino style. Exactly. Um, so was that, uh, did that present any challenges for you in, in terms of uh, my mastering char- the language? N- well, my, my character doesn't speak that um, mm-hmm. quickly. She's more, um, uh, she's very, so very pompous mm-hmm. and every word <laughs> is weighted. And um, oh, if she does speak quickly, it's never at a clip like you hear Midge speak. So mm. uh, she's much more deliberate in her mm-hmm. speech and slows everything down. Mm. And I, I heard you. There's a, you might be returning for season three. I am. Is I'm that, in yeah. almost all season. Oh yes, wow! Yes. So anything? Uh, have you started shooting yet? We or? have, and I'm not allowed to say. Anything, not allowed so, to say yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> but but you that you play maybe a bigger role this uh, yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. There's than so, past. some so fun stuff in store for uh, uh, Sophie Lennon this, mm-hmm. this season. Yes. Yeah, I mean that it is interesting that character kind of um, butting up against this new time in comedy and the and the divide. Yes, there. and she's more of a kind of an observational comic. Um, Midge is, mm-hmm. and she's not so much about. Um, and you know, it's kind of it's self it's bi- biographical, but she's she doesn't have a gimmick, mm-hmm. and um, she's basically herself up there, and uh, she's you know. Yeah, observational. She she talks about politics, and she he gets a little dark, but she's you know it's really funny stuff. She's kind of doing what guys have been doing for years in stand up, mm-hmm. and she's standing up and saying, "Well, I I'm going to do that too." Mm. Um, just going back uh, a little bit, uh, what what were sort of your earliest uh, comedy memories? Who were the people that you that you loved when you were growing up in oh. uh, in outside of Chicago? Uh, Barbara Streisand. I love Funny Girl. I thought she was the just. The, I remember going to the movie and just thinking it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Um, oh, let's see. Well, Phyllis Diller. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing her on the Tonight Show. I loved Eve Arden. I thought she was hilarious. And uh, Kay Ballard. They did a show called. The Mothers-in-Law, that short-lived show, but oh my goodness, I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen, and I loved Eve Arden and all sorts of stuff from Greece all the way back to the movies that she did in the 40s and 50s, and I loved that dry kind of, you know, where I don't know how to explain it, but if you ever <laughs> see uh, uh, Eve Arden, you'll see what I mean, and... Um, Oh gosh, what else? And and at what point did you think of yourself? Did you think this is something that I that I could do? This is something I want to do. I don't think there was a moment where I didn't think that. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I, it just always. Um, as long as you can remember. Yeah, as long as I can remember. Yeah. And what and what did you? How did you first kind of uh, approach it to? to well, to, to do you it? know, doing plays in school, mm-hmm. and um, my brother and I loved Saturday Night Live and the Carol Burnett Show. Mm. Carol, uh, yeah. of course, being a, 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 a someone I was really inspired by and my brother and I would act out the scenes you know we would take this is like back in the stone age we didn't uh, we didn't have DVRs of course or or, uh, even videotape but we would uh, tape it on a uh, a regular cassette tape Mm -hmm. you know just the audio audio, yeah Yeah, and we'd play it back all week long and act it out and we loved doing that Um, and then you know getting into plays in school and um, I was always you know was I the class clown occasionally um uh, yeah, just doing plays and knowing that that's what I wanted to do and, and studying it in college, getting into the theater program after starting out in mass communications, which my mother said, well, that's theater adjacent. You'll get a job at the end of four years. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, without telling anybody, I switched my major to, to theater and started doing plays. Did your parents uh, worry about you that you no. weren't going to uh, succeed? And Yeah, a little and... bit. You know, I was the middle child, so I didn't get the attention that the oldest and the youngest did. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, Jane's fine. Well, we 
have to worry about <laughs> these two extremes over here. Yeah. Um, so they, I didn't get like that kind of uh, helicopter parent thing, but they indeed they were. They, they didn't think I'd make a living. And um, my mother said, you should learn to type. It's a wonderful thing to fall back on. And I, always, I see you teaching, she used to say. Mm. And I said to her once when, after I'd done Shakespeare in the Park in Chicago, and she said, you were fantastic. It was so good. But, you know, I still see you teaching. And I stopped <laughs> her. We were taking a walk. You can never say that to me again. And she said, oh, okay. And she didn't. <laughs> was, she there a, was there a moment uh, or something that you did that they saw that, that they thought, um, you know, now you've, now you've made now it? Now I've made or... it, yeah, when I did The Fugitive. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie that was, you know, I'm from Chicago and it was shot in Chicago. And um, That was one of your, that was your earliest film uh, role? Vice or? versa was my earliest mm-hmm. with Judd Apatow and, um, not Judd Apatow, Judge Reinhold. Mm, yeah. And uh, Freddie, Fred Savage. Freddie, oh, he yeah. was never Freddie, Fred Savage. Um, and, uh, so that was the first one, but the scene with I did a scene with um, uh, Harrison Ford and uh, it wasn't comedy or anything mm-hmm. like that it was straight up yeah. I was playing a scientist and they were like oh my goodness yeah and sharing then, the screen with Harrison Ford is yes. kind of a big deal yeah pretty big deal yeah <laughs> I remember I was at my uncle's funeral <laughs> and my aunt said I went up to her and I said I'm so sorry she said what's Harrison Ford like <laughs> <laughs> and what'd you say I said he's lovely he's wonderful um so just in terms of uh, sort of what's what's next uh, for you, you know, you're doing Hollywood Game Night, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other uh, projects on the horizon that you that you're excited about or, or things that you want to do? Um, no, no, not really. Not really. Mm-hmm. I guess that's about it. I, I, I kind of take what rolls in at my feet uh-huh. or, or not, you know? <laughs> yeah. How many films have you done with Christopher Guest at this point? Uh, uh, four. four. Let's see. Uh, yeah. wait, uh, uh, now we almost kind of waiting for Guffman. I was not in waiting <laughs> for Guffman. I loved it, though. Yeah, yeah four. Um, yeah. Is there a, a chance that you think uh, there's another one on I the horizon? Know. You know, it's up to him. You mm-hmm. never know. I was surprised that we did the last one, Mascots. Yeah. I was That thrilled. was on, on Netflix, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but you, but you would want to, oh, if he absolutely. came to you and, and, um, work with all those people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've worked with a lot of, he kind of has a company, so you kind of yeah. work with the same people, mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. So have you got, you've gotten to know, uh, all those guys oh, yeah. pretty well. Yeah. They're all worker. They're all, uh, actors, actors, mm-hmm. you know, there's, um, uh, they're not like stars or mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they are, I mean, they're, they're famous and everything, but, um, it, they kind of this group of car- actors kind of remind me or, or make me think this is what British actors are like. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not very concerned about the Hollywood trappings. They don't have them. Like you, mm-hmm. I love British comedies and and uh, British uh, detective dramas. And um, you, I imagine that they're kind of like uh, the Christopher Guest unofficial comedy <laughs> group. They're they're they've got families. They take it seriously um, and then not too seriously and that nobody has any, you know, nobody's throwing fits or staying in their trailers or demanding, you know, um, things that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they want to have billing. It's favored nations. We all get paid the exact same. Mm, Yeah. And we uh, it's alphabetical order. Um, The names are listed in. uh, So it's there's there's none of that, you know. Yeah, and, and you guys Goofiness. kind of you you sent up all that uh, Hollywood stuff in uh, in for your for consideration. Your consideration yeah. Was that fun to kind of delve into that? Yeah, world? that was really great. I think that that came as the result of um, some uh, the the song and Mighty Wind was nominated, mm. and our our movies have been nominated like for Golden Globes and stuff like that. And the fascination that Chris and Eugene have with like this whole campaign mm. that's when the campaign started. Remember, it was Shakespeare yeah. in Love. Yeah, uh, Weinstein started yeah. it. Uh, the 
um, ads and mm-hmm. um, uh, kind of this trying to get word of mouth and you know in order to get an award. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think they were commenting on that because that was brand new back in like t- 2005. Yeah. Coming up, Jane shares what she learned from acting opposite Meryl Streep in Julie and Julia. So what I like to do on this show is kind of uh, go go through a few um, sort of moments or highlights of, of your uh, career and get sure. you to say sort of the first memory that comes to mind sure. or a story or, or, or something like that. Okay. Um, so the first one is uh, there was this show, The Real Live Brady Bunch, yeah. that you were in mm-hmm. that is kind of a... a a storied uh, mm-hmm. show. So, can you explain what that was and, sure. and what that what that experience was like? Um, a Jill and Faith Soloway, Jill Soloway of Transparent right. Fame and Faith as well, also yeah. writes on the show. Uh, they're they're good friends from Chicago, and our friend Mick Napier opened a theater called the Annoyance Theater, and he wanted to have a show in there Monday through you know Monday uh, mm-hmm. in order to pay the rent. So we took Wednesday nights. He said, "Do whatever you want to do," and we were like, "Well, what would be fun? Why don't we do actual episodes of the Brady Bunch?" <laughs> and Jill would transcribe them right off the TV and we'll, um, you know, charge people five bucks to come in and let them drink and smoke um, uh, in the theater, which was just totally against all the laws, but we did it anyway. <laughs> and the first night, our first episode, we all went to thrift stores and we found 70s clothes and the, the, the theater was a mess. It was filthy and full of mold and everything and um, people smoking and drinking. It was just a fire trap. But the first night, uh, we were on the roof of the thing having pizza and beer before we were going to perform and we looked down and there was a line all the way wow. around the block. How did that happen? Uh, word got out and people wanted to see it. You know, the Brady Bunch was kind of a phenomenon for all of us, maybe a dirty secret for all of us in mm-hmm. our generation too that we loved it and took comfort comfort in it and also made fun of it because it was so, you know, corny and, um, uh, but we all loved it. And, we, and you played, uh, I played Carol Brady mm-hmm. and, uh, Andy Richter was in it. He I was uh, Mike Brady. Yeah. He was my husband <laughs> and, uh, my beloved. And, uh, and, uh, Faith is, um, a musician and she did all the music, you know, the interstitial music that they would play. And, uh, then we put in our own little commercials. Anyway, it turned out to be a, a pretty big hit. And uh, what's his name? Sherwood Schwartz actually flew out to Chicago without anybody. He's the creator mm-hmm. of the Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah. Without anybody knowing and showed up at our Johnny Bravo episode and with the idea. he wa- His lawyer said, we got to close this thing down. <laughs> and he said, oh, I just want to see what it is. And uh, so he showed up and we recognized him and we put the spotlight on him and people were bowing to him. <laughs> and he was like, you kids are great. Oh. And he charged us a dollar a show. To use his scripts, and he started sending us the scripts, and so that I, she wouldn't have to, so that Jill wouldn't, Jill have, to wouldn't have to type them out. And uh, uh, we think that we know that that gave him the inspiration to do the movies after mm, that, because yeah. he saw it was living for another generation, and he was smart enough to make fun of himself too. Yeah, the uh, movies were kind of were were pretty interesting the way yeah. they uh, self referential, you mm-hmm. know, or kind of updating the yeah. Oh, Jan. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, um, uh, oh God, what's her name who played Marsha in that? Oh God, she's married to Ben Stiller. Oh. Um, Christine Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she was a little girl when we were doing these. She was very young and uh, like she was 19 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, when our Marsha, Becky Thayer, went on vacation, she played our Marsha. Wow. She was so young. Before and the films. Yeah, before the films. That's so funny. Yeah, and she was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another of your uh, early um, 
TV jobs uh, was two and a half men. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what was what was that experience like? You know, working with Charlie Sheen, who was a, a character. Yes, he he's well. First of all, he was a pro. Uh, he carried yeah. that show, and he had oh my god, he had so many lines, and um, he was he was a, just a really great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out as a therapist for the kid, mm-hmm. and then I became. I think I had a session with. Um, uh, 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 John Cryer's character, Alan, mm-hmm. and then I uh, had a session with um, mm-hmm. Charlie, and that became kind of the thing. Yeah, so we did mm-hmm. three or four episodes every year. Um, what do you remember about your first uh, late night appearance? I believe Ooh. what I found was that it was on Conan's Tonight Show, his short lived uh, oh, when Conan okay. was hosting the Tonight Show. Well, it was probably maybe... fun because Andy was there, so <laughs> I, it made me feel comfortable. <laughs> do you remember that at all? Or, is... I, you know, what I do remember about that is um, I told the story of. Uh, when we were doing the Brady Bunch, and I went back to Chicago to do a play, and um, uh, Andy, uh, I gave Andy my car out here in L.A., and he racked up like six hundred dollars worth of parking tickets, mm-hmm. and um, then and I told him, I said, you have to pay these, <laughs> and he sent me a six hundred dollar check in NBC stationery saying, hey, I got a job, I'm writing for Conan O'Brien. So we told that story, and he started out as a writer and then became his sidekick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I kind of remember that. Yeah. Um, what about uh, in also in two thousand nine, uh, winning your your first Emmy for mm. for Glee? I saw that uh, Stephen Colbert, who we mentioned, actually yeah, presented he it, gave to you. it to me. So that yeah. must have been kind of a nice. It was uh, moment. really nice. Yeah, it was a really cool thing to have him give me that award. Yeah, it was a bi- it was a big deal. It was uh, just the greatest. And the Emmy goes to Jane Lynch. Glee. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is outlandish. Um, I want to thank my parents on the south side of Chicago for raising us, yeah, south side, for raising us to the sounds of musical theater and being so unintentionally hilarious. And I want to share this with my fellow nominees. I am, I am a fan of, of all of you, and, and this is, I, I love being an actor. I love being an actor among actors. I love being an ensemble. And though I, I rarely identify myself as anything, I, 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 I'm... Buddhist in that way, although I'm not a Buddhist, they do seem like a very calm people. I just watched your acceptance speech, and you're cracking jokes, and you seem very um, uh, composed. Oh, well, that's c- compared good. to some people who get yeah. up there and you know are all over the place. So yeah. was that? Did it? Did you feel uh, <laughs> composed, or, or yeah, how did, did you feel? Feel composed. Yeah, I did. I, it's. Uh... Yeah, it wasn't, you know, I, I've i never kind of lost my shit over getting an award, <laughs> which they're lovely. I mean, it's a great thing, but yeah, I know, I, I just, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice. And then a couple years later, you hosted the Emmys. I did, um, yes. So what, what was that experience? What stands out oh, from that boy, experience? Oh, uh, boy, the, the nerves and... Uh, um, yeah, I was nervous. And then I realized, just like I did with SNL, yeah, it's live and everything, but basically it's about an opening number. And then reading off the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. And once you're done with the opening number, it's clear sailing. Yeah. And you were singing and dancing in the opening number. So yes. Uh, a lot of it was pre-taped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, then I had to do that. Oh, yeah. I was very nervous for that. <laughs> this, the live stuff. But once yeah. that was done, I was like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, we mentioned uh, SNL hosting SNL. Is there were there any other um, moments maybe from the from the week because uh, you spent you spend a whole week there yeah. that stand out uh, when you think when you think back to that? Well, I just was amazed at uh, uh, the uh, wealth of material that is presented for just one week, and then mm. we end up like throwing out these great things. Yeah, just they're gone. You know, they get cut like that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you have to used to be used to, and I think the cast has to be used to. Um, 
you know, they say you kill a lot of babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that I, uh, that's what I noticed. Um, I love doing, in fact, speaking of Sophie Lennon from Amazon, I think the tender beginnings of that character, the um, comic character was in a game show that I did with uh, Kristen Wiig, mm. where she played, she, it was like match game, and she played this old time movie star <laughs> who said, I, will, I, I soak my face with mayonnaise. <laughs> and then I did kind of a Phyllis Diller, ha! kind of a character and I think that might have been the tender yeah. beginnings oh, yeah. of Sophie Lennon. <laughs> um you were the uh you were the roast master for the Roseanne the yes. Comedy Central roast of Roseanne. Yes. Um in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um how did you how did you get that gig and and what was the, She uh she suggested me. Yeah. She asked that I yeah, which I and we hadn't met before so really? I was you weren't really friends honored. or anything. No. And I really liked her. She was lovely and uh the writers are so good and mm-hmm. they wrote me some funny stuff and it was one of those real fun things to do to honor her and then at the end the surprise guest was Tom Arnold mm, yeah came out and they didn't even make eye contact <laughs> but it was pretty funny um, so I mean you must have been kind of uh, disappointed with what's everything that's gone on not with, disappointed with her. I don't I don't think she's well and I that's yeah. you know that just makes me sad I think mm-hmm. she's got you know she she will tell you she's mentally ill she's yeah you know and it's hard to, uh, the, the hard thing is um, the, the people jumping on her and uh, that that's tough. Yeah, it's just you know she. It's like it's a disease. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah, and uh, the last one on my list here is uh, acting opposite Meryl Streep in Julie mm. and Julia, which yes. must have been a, a unique experience. Yeah, oh, I was so nervous. Uh, I was really th- thrilled, of course, to be asked to play you know uh, Meryl Streep's sister, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, and work with Nora Ephron too. Who's mm-hmm. just yeah, just an amazing person, and uh, I I miss her. She was she was just a, she was so great, and um uh, yeah, I remember the first uh the my first day of shooting uh well the day before my first day of shooting, um Nora asked me to come to the set. She said I want you to see where Meryl is in terms of. You know, the character, what the world she's living in. Mm-hmm. And I had been working on it. And so I was like, oh, God, I hope it matches up because, you know, they're big characters. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder how big she's going. And and she was big. She mm-hmm. and But that's what Julia Child was like. She not only was big physically, but ooh, she was effusive. <laughs> oh, nothing was under, you know, she, she lo- had passion. And mm-hmm. her sister was that way as well. Yeah. And together, it, you know, the decibel levels go off the charts. Yeah. So when I saw what she did and she said, you know, you, you see, you see where you got to fit in here? And I said, yeah, yeah. So we showed up the next and after the first um, take, you know. Uh, uh, and I'm doing my kind of woo with her, and mm. you're hoping it doesn't just look like a bad SNL sketch. Like, <laughs> I hope I don't look like Dan Aykroyd, who, you know, yeah. in that context was really funny. And um, uh, um, uh, Nora said, I love what you're doing. So, oh, oh, it was such a relief. That's great. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. All I think about all day is food. <laughs> Dream about it all night. <laughs> George, do you have? Oh, you have the brie. Is this yes. the brie? Yes, that's it. Mm. Is that not the most wonderful cheese you ever had in your life? Yes. 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 The answer is yes. Yeah, the two of you together in that movie are just are just fantastic. Thank you. Um, did she? Uh, I know in some films she kind of stays uh, in character throughout. Uh, was that the case here? Was she always no, no, Julia Child with, around you? No, she you? didn't stay in character, but she, you know, in between takes, it wasn't like she was, you know, so 
you know, what's going on? How yeah. are you? She very much stayed <laughs> very, focused. Very focused. Very focused. Yeah. yeah. What did you What did you learn about acting from from acting with her? Well, that um, uh, it is about being, you know, kind of holding your focus mm-hmm. and um, uh, and committing to your choices. And um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of learned that how I'm going about it is the right way because mm, <laughs> yeah. you know you never you never really know uh you know I know I have my own process mm-hmm. and sometimes it does mean just kind of sitting there and not talking to anybody just kind of containing myself and that's what she does too so I wasn't at all offended that she wasn't like so you know what are you doing tonight she wasn't small talking and mm. I and um she used she played really she made big big choices and you know i sometimes make big big choices depending you know if it's appropriate or not but um i i love kind of taking things to the extreme mm-hmm. like sue sylvester was extreme in another way and yeah. then then this character was so it was really nice to see that she kind of did it, it it's mostly the containment i guess that she would have in between takes and i went oh she does it too good good mm. good so i, yeah. I you know cuz maybe i felt like an uh the um obligation to talk to people or um and it just kind of affirmed for me that it's okay the way i i'm doing it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah um so the way that we end the show is that mm-hmm. i ask guests uh what's the last thing that made you laugh really hard Oh and it can God. be just kind of the first thing that comes to mind, a movie, a TV show, something that people could check out, yeah. um, or, or just anything that, that you think of. Uh, Fleabag. Yeah. I laughed like out loud for, and I watched it all in one sitting, mm-hmm. both, both, both seasons. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, just I bow at the feet. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Just amazing. I laughed so much. I laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah that's stuff. such a good show. The sister, the girl who plays the sister, yeah, Claire. Claire. Oh my God, isn't she hilarious? <laughs> Don't look at my office. Don't say anything. It's not too big. <laughs> She's so defensive, <laughs> cutting everybody off at the uh, at the pass, making sure they don't say what she doesn't want to hear. Yeah, really good. Uh, that's great. Um, well, thank you so much oh, for doing pleasure. this. Um, it was a lot of fun, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. Back at you. Thanks again so much to Jane Lynch for coming out today. Hollywood Game Night is back every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on NBC, and she will be returning to The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel for Season 3 later this year. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends, share this episode, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week.